My heart is full of joy this week. How about yours? Oh, yes. Uh, hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Michael and Father here. Uh, we are recording this on Tuesday of Easter week. Our post-Easter bliss. We did it. I, I fell asleep. In the during middle. Mass? No, oh. on, on Monday. At twice during the day. I was doing some work. Yeah. And next thing I knew, I had to wake up and do some more work. <laughs> <laughs> was that in the office? The one time I was in the office. Oh, uh, that's... One, I went home for lunch and I sat down to, to read a little bit. And next thing I knew, I thought, I better get back. I, I told Amanda I'd be back by 2 o'clock. That is fantastic. That's great. Well, uh, it was a wonderful Holy Week here at the parish. A uh, con- congratulatory effort to all that helped make it possible. I wrote in the bulletin about how many people really make make uh, a good liturgy. Yeah. And of course, the people we don't want to overlook are the ones in the pews. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially a place like this where every single person's attitude towards the others really matters. The The sense of hospitality and welcome, yeah. that's got to be in the air. But then above, above and beyond that, we had... Oh wow! I was so pleased with the the altar servers who came, and we used incense, which we have not used a whole oh. lot recently. So they're learning how to do that. I uh, love it. I I was pretty cautious though. I did not over incenseize. Oh, you can never have too much. Oh yes, I, yes you can. <laughs> I have a few takeaways. I I think one for sure. A highlight for me was Holy Thursday night, uh, hearing our community sing together was really powerful. I could hear them better than I have in a long time really singing. That was Holy Thursday was, was beautiful. wonderful in many other ways. We always invite the first communion kids and their parents, and a lot of them came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and among the people having their feet washed, we had three children who were in the first communion class plus parent, uh, one parent for each. Yeah. We had a couple in the confirmation class. Mm-hmm. We had a couple from RCIA. We had a couple from the parish at large. Mm-hmm. And I think you do put that together, and that adds up to be 12. I'm going to say yes. Yes. Okay. I wasn't adding, but I know there were 12. So, yeah, that was definitely a highlight. Another one for me, speaking of the incense, was at the Easter Vigil. And you probably couldn't see this from your vantage point. But from my vantage point, it was... Just as we had finished the exultet and the lights had come up just a little bit and the incense was billowing through the air, but the rays of sun from the sunset, they were coming through the blinds in the front tower uh-huh. and they were piercing through the incense. Oh, that sounds a- beautiful. No, a- I didn't see that. Around the crucifix. It was an awesome sight. Now, if you want to talk about awesome sights, uh, we had the Easter Vigil. We had the extra scripture readings, and we got to sing the Gloria and the Alleluia, and then we did all the Easter Vigil rites for baptism, confirmation, professional faith, confirmation, yeah. and we were, we were in the uh, Eucharistic prayer, Yeah, and I was using prayer number three, uh, which says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, mm-hmm. you know, a perfect offering may be made. Exactly. And, of course, it was in the evening, but I, I couldn't help but see through the east window the rising, not of the sun, but the rising of a full moon. Oh, yeah. That was the And it was too. big and orange. And then I 
forced myself not to look at it, but to keep my mind on the prayer that I was leading. Mm -hmm. Uh, But after Mass, I went out to look at it. Easter is always the first Sunday after the first full moon, Mm -hmm. after the vernal equinox. Correct. You got it. Good job. Of course I got it. I'm proud of you. Yeah, But I don't know if that meant the first full moon was on Saturday night or if it was still from Friday night. I don't know that. Oh, yeah. I didn't look it up. I'm not sure either. But it was beautiful. And, you know, right when the moon is almost full, it's kind of hard to tell if it's full or almost full anyway. On, on Especially when you're trying to pray and not study it. <laughs> like we need any more distractions. Uh, and then, of course, Sunday morning, you know, I... Uh, I, I drove to church Sunday morning, and I really was thinking, there's nowhere else I'd rather be going right now than to church on Easter morning. Is that a song? There's nowhere else. No place I, I'd rather I, be. No place I'd rather be. Yeah. But I, I was just excited to get here and to see people and to... Oh, and people were wonderful. And we had a lot of visitors, a lot of visitors. Uh, I was commenting before we went online how uh, the 1145 Mass really struck me that it, it was our Mass where people could come, I'll say come as you are, but I don't mean that they were grubby or anything, but come in your own situation. So there were visitors, there were people that were alone, there were people who weren't sure if they were even at the right place, but they came, and it was just great. It was it was a great weekend by all, and thanks again to, to the countless uh, hundreds, really hundreds of people that make Easter yeah. and Holy Week possible. We, we can't do it without all of you. All right. Well, the good news is, though... It keeps on. We, yeah, we don't have to say, oh, well, that's it. It was over. This this Easter party goes on for the next and the gospel, seven weeks. The gospel for the second Sunday of Easter is the bridge because it starts off on the morning. It, you know, it's called that first day of the week, which is a, a euphemism for the day of resurrection. Yeah. So it starts off with Easter Sunday, and then it jumps a week later. So it is the bridge between Easter and the close of the octave. So uh, John chapter 20 is always read the Sunday after Easter. Do you want us to, you know how on TV shows when they jump time, there's a little screen that says, you know, one week later. Do you want us to put that up on the screen? We don't have to because the the passage itself. Oh, by the way. Oh, it does say. I I do have a recommendation. I'm going to tell you and the whole world. Oh, is is this my feedback for the year my end of the year evaluation no nothing to do with that but this was uh for good friday yeah we had the 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 10 long uh prayers the petitions the general intercessions which are wonderful and uh, deacon tom sang the first part and then i led the actual prayer and then tom sang and i led right and this year there was an 11th one for peace in the world especially in ukraine yeah but what i was thinking afterwards uh People get a little distracted, like, okay, what are we praying for on this one? Yeah. So we should have put a few words on the screen for each of the 10. Oh, yeah, because each one has like a little title for it. It does have a title. Yeah, that's a great idea. For those who do not believe in Christ. Yeah. And the next one, for for those who do not believe in God. Yeah. Or for those who uh, have special needs of any kind. I mean, they're, they're, it, there is a title for each of them. Yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to file that away into my mental notes for next year. I know. I better write that one down, you, though. Uh, your, yeah. mental, your mental note might, might be... Uh, it, you think you, it's going to let I, th- I think with your mental notes, you, you push delete every so often. <laughs> <laughs> Not on purpose. I, I think it gets full and then it deletes itself once okay. in a while. Okay, let's go to John 20, 19 to 31. Kind of long. Yeah. Uh, it's in four parts. I will read part one. 
Okay. You will read part two. That's the part where Thomas gets upset that he was not there. Okay. I will read part three uh-huh. where Thomas shows up. Yes. And then you read the part where it says, now Jesus did many other signs. Oh, I don't know if we've ever done it back and forth like this. I, well, hey, it's a new world. This is why we're professionals. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nail in his hands, and put my finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although the doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and bring your hand and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I think we could do it this way on Sunday if you want. I'll just, you know, I'll just come up and stand behind you. Why did you just be Thomas? Add the bit. <laughs> and then in exchange, to be fair, I'll let you sing part of a song. That way we're equal. We're trying to bring people right. into church. <laughs> <laughs> um, gr- this is great. I, I want to hear what you want to do with this first, and then I have some thoughts. Well, there's so many things. People get all hung up about Thomas doubting. We call it doubting Thomas, all that. Uh, Yeah, we could talk about what doubt really means. Mm -hmm. Doubt is not always the opposite of believing. Doubt, true doubt. I'm not not talking about the cynical doubting, but the true doubting could be a struggle to believe. And in that case, it's okay. You work work through it. Mm -hmm. But you have to actively be engaged. Some people doubt, and so they step aside. They're out of the picture, and they kind of doubt from the outside without really trying to learn. Yeah. But true doubt means it's more of a quest. You're questing uh, the the right understanding or comprehension or degree of faith that you want and need. I think real faith, too, goes through seasons, right? I think there are moments in faith where we feel uh, spiritually close to God that, you know, maybe we're praying more regularly and we're attending mass more regularly. And we feel that, you know, that we are close to God, whereas there may be other times where we may feel distant from God. And I think sometimes in those ways is where maybe we do start to doubt and question a little bit. So 
I, it's never like one constant for your entire life. Right. There, there are definitely um, gaps. Yeah. What I've, what I've learned is often for people who have a pretty strong faith yeah. when they're younger, what happens is they, they don't just have a faith, but they have an image. Somewhere implanted in their brain is an image of God. Mm. And I don't mean literally an image, like a, a picture of an old man, but a concept, mm. an understanding. And as we grow older, we kind of shed the previous images and have to come up with new understanding. Mm. But there's usually a gap between those. And those are the vulnerable times when we, when our faith doesn't seem real or very strong. Mm -hmm. So when you go uh, from childhood to teenage years, and there might be some rebellion anyway, we're not just rebelling against mom and dad or authority figures. We're kind of let, setting aside our previous understanding of faith as well. Yeah. And we have to find a new understanding. I think a great example of that can be preparing for first communion, you know, as a eight year old, seven or eight year old generally. And, you know, if an adult, your teacher, catechist, whatever it may be says, you know, you're going to receive Jesus, G you know, the bread and the wine becomes the very presence of Jesus and your eight-year-old mind says, okay, that sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, and, yeah. and it probably goes, and you, you believe it in your heart, and that's a beautiful thing for a child. But then, you know, you get into middle school, you get into high school, and you say, well, wait a second here. How, what is, what's really going on? How am I supposed to really accept this? So you start to maybe think more critically about it. And then surely as an adult, that morphs too. What's your understanding of, of Eucharist when when we go to Mass. Yeah, I'm just using this as one example, but... But, but th yeah, that's very true. Now, I remember most working with college students, and there were some who, I think they, they doubted or struggled, but they did it from afar. Mm. They just stopped uh, aligning themselves with church. Yeah. And so everything got put on hold. And so they had to rediscover it from the outside as opposed to continuing to pray, continuing to process, yeah. and discovering it from the inside. Well, and we've seen that in some regards, too, through the pandemic, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, either people out of the habit of going to church um, or, you know, just going through traumatic situations that make them, you know, question faith more readily. Now, what I want to do is quickly talk about each of these four parts. That fourth part, the one that you read at the end, mm -hmm. It says, many things have been written, but these have been written to help you believe. So it's, it, it's really uh, a summary of this entire uh, passage that we have this Sunday. Is It's really about helping people come to believe that Jesus is risen. Is this the end of John's Gospel? No. It almost, like that It looks that like it is. But paragraph it is, feels like a conclusion almost. No, because next week we're going to read John 21. I just, okay, and so and that which going. is which has become my favorite oh. of, oh, the, next of the, week po is the post Easter celebration. So be sure to tune in next week. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah. Here. Okay. Here's my question. As, as you were reading and I was so intently listening to every word that you said. Okay. <laughs> You're leading up to something. I was. Okay. So, so Jesus says, put your finger here put your hands in my side. Yeah. Right. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I do those very things. But it doesn't say in this third section that you read that he actually did. No, it. he didn't need to. So yeah, that was going to be my question. Did he do it? No, he didn't. It was not necessary. 
because he had the personal encounter with the Lord. It wasn't about proof. So he 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 said one thing. He said, "I'm not doing this unless X, Y, or Z." And then the 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 very presence of Jesus Himself was so overwhelming to Thomas. Yeah, that's that's well said. Actually, that's a pretty good insight. Hey, and coming from you, I'm here I mean, from anybody. I'm here writing your homily one podcast at a time. Actually, there are too many homilies in this in yeah. this gospel. <laughs> part part one. Uh, doesn't really deal with Thomas at all. Yeah. Part one is just the wonderful thing. Jesus says, peace be with you. He breathes on them, gives them the Holy Spirit. Sure. And the early church took this as the vitality of life. They do, number one, they were not just a group of followers, but yeah. the Spirit was with them. They, didn't, they had no idea what that meant. Uh, forgive sins. They knew that the early church had a, a sense of that the, the Lord is working through us to forgive sins, but they really didn't know what that meant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there were a lot of things that were planted here. Mm -hmm. Uh, That second part, the whole question of uh, Thomas doubting or struggling with faith, we kind of addressed. Uh, Again, I don't have too much trouble with people struggling with faith as long as it's an honest struggle. Here's my reflection on that, though, thinking a little bit about what we've been talking about. Sometimes, how how often do we do that in a moment of, what was he feeling in that moment? Was he jealous that the other saw him and he wasn't there? Sure, sure he was. Was he angry? Have you was ever, he sad? Have, have you ever done that where a group of people go to something? Let's say they go to a concert and you, you're not there. Yeah. Maybe you couldn't afford it. Maybe you were tied up doing something else. And then the next day, everybody says, "Oh, it was so great! You should have been there." Right, and you think, "Oh, well." There's an you know, there's an acronym for that now. It's called FOMO, F O M O, and it's, it means fear of missing out. And so people will say, "Oh, you know, you don't need to have FOMO about this because people don't want to miss out on an experience or something else." I, that other I did people not are... know FOMO. FOMO, F O M O. That should be our new bill billboard. <laughs> don't miss out. Saint John the Twenty Third. No FOMO here. No FOMO here. <laughs> um, so, but back to like, how how would we normally react in a situation like that? Generally, people let anger, jealousy get the best of them, and they say things that they don't mean, almost in a way that they like dig in their heels, right? And this was all of that, and probably they were all hurting, seriously hurting yeah. by the crucifixion. Yeah. I mean, come on. You see your... The one you've, you have invested everything into following this person. Right. And he was killed on a cross in the most horrid way possible. Yeah. And you all ran and hid. I mean, what, even if you hear stories, oh, he's alive, you want to say, come on, I can't, I can't deal with another setback. Right. You know, we sometimes do that to ourselves. We don't want to be disappointed. So we don't accept something as a possibility. Yeah. Uh, you know, because if if we say no, it, it won't happen, then we're not disappointed when it doesn't happen. Sure. Right. That you're lowering the bar. Yeah. But in, in some ways, because you alluded to earlier, you know, every doubting Thomas, he always gets the bad rap. I think his true colors are showing, though, in the my Lord and my God. OK, that that's you're exactly where I'm headed. That's the real okay, Thomas. The, the part that we left out is part three. So part one is the general very gift of the spirit mm-hmm. part two is thomas saying i f-o f-o-m-o fomo f-o-m-o part three is the act of faith 
yeah. my Lord and my God. And Jesus saying, blessed are those who have not seen and believe. So, uh, again, I preached, uh, at Easter about what did they see? They saw the empty tomb. Yeah. That was enough. Now here, Jesus is basically saying, what do people really see? They don't see, at least not with their eyes. They see with uh, the vision of faith. They hear the account from others and they accept it. Yeah. The phrase, my Lord and my God, when I was a kid, we were taught that during the consecration, when we hold up, when the priest holds up the host mm -hmm. or when the priest holds up the chalice at the consecration, the veneration at that moment, each of us was supposed to say to themselves, my Lord and my God, mm -hmm. and maybe even eat, uh, beat the breasts uh, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I've been in some cultures where people say it aloud, mm -hmm. especially I think in Guatemala, some of the people will kind of mumble something aloud. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very powerful experience. It is an act of faith, my Lord and my God. And if you think about those two words, my Lord, the Lord is the one who really runs your life. Yeah. My God is the creator and, uh, and redeemer. So you're basically saying, my Lord and my God were saying, this is it. What more do I need? This is it. It's a very profound statement in what my Lord and my God. Five words. Five words. I had to count I, them. I, I go sad. by syllables. When I, when I use a mantra in centering prayer, my yeah. Lord and my God is my favorite one because it's five syllables, so it's just enough to calm my inner spirit. And not fall asleep like Easter Monday. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, in the words of the great Cindy Lauper and or Phil Collins, or for those newer generations, the Trolls movie, make sure that your true colors are showing. True colors. That's a good song. Yes. All right, guys, have a great week. We'll see you this weekend for the second.